What's going on? MashaAllah, 2020. Ask Allah to bless this 2020 and give us clarity and focus because we want to stay 2020 spiritually and physically. Yeah, I know it's kind of cheesy, but I couldn't resist doing it. I'm great, man, you know, and the reason I'm doing great is a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is my Celtics. I'm not talking about football in uh, football. I don't know how to, I can't rock a, a British accent, forgive me. But um, yeah, man, I'm talking about the greatest franchise in professional basketball history. More rings than everybody else. That is the Boston Celtics. And we we didn't put together a team for a year. We didn't rent Anthony Davis from our local Home Depot. We built from the ground up, mashallah, and alhamdulillah. We're not quite there, but hey, inshallah, being a Celtics fan about being in it for the long haul. Yes. NBA champion, how does that sound? Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. That being said, it's great to be with all of you. I even saw some Celtics haters in the comments, hence the diatribe. That's what you get. But this is SwissCast. I'm your host, Brother Suhaib Webb, man. And it's a blessing to be with you. Life is good. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. And all we can say is Alhamdulillah and more Alhamdulillah. Imam Shafi'i used to say Alhamdulillah, praise be to God, who guided me to say praise be to God. Thus, I have to praise him again. Alhamdulillah. So it's 2020 and last time we talked about this process of thinking about ideas and emancipating ourselves from kind of the popular discourses. We have to realize, right, you know, social engineering is real, man. I'm not trying to get too crazy with people, but like, yo, you know, ideas and popularity just don't happen to people. Um, I've seen I've seen people take stances and suddenly disappear from having access to public spaces uh, on more, more than one of occasion in different aspects of life. And, you know, we see with Kaepernick, they'll even try to buy you into isolation. You know what I mean? So it's very important that we are not deceived or under any delusion, especially when everything is driven by a corporate interest. It's about getting paid. You know what I mean? Because now I learn to earn because I'm righteous. Mm -mm. That's not how this system works. It's like now I learn to earn because I'm wicked. You know what I mean? With respect to my man Rakim, because I understood he meant it, you know, he, he kept it real with that. But when we live in a world where everything is based on money, people are constantly haunted, especially here in America, by their rent, by their health care, and so many other things. And then you got people just making billions and billions of dollars, man. So last time we talked about the fifth principle found in Sidi Ahmed Zarouk's book, the principles of Tasawwuf, you can actually find a translation. It's not horrible, but it ain't a gold medal winner, you know what I mean? But it's out there. It's free. I think someone did it. It's a PDF, but it'll give you the gist of the meaning. And then, of course, in the fifth 
uh, axiom where he says isnadu shayli aslihi wal qiyamu fihi bi you know planting something in a foundational source and then sprouting it forth and looking after it as it grows is going to help you ensure doing that based on a sacred text and the specific evidences that address the specifics of its growth are going to help ensure that it's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that it's for Ihsan. And now what we want to talk about is in, in our process of doing that, I mean, that's that that comes, that, that process of rooting and sprouting can be a communal obligation, right? Fardu kifaya. It could be a, an individual obligation, fardu ain, or it could just be permissible or, or whatever. But like, we have to work together to help one another. And unfortunately, we tend to mirror, you know, when the Prophet says, Shibran wa Shibran, Sunnatan wa Sunnatan, you know, you're going to follow the ways of those before you step by step. We, we tend to frame not only as being like people who are going to be too laxed in religion, but also like if you look at conservative pundits in the Muslim community in America, why is it they strictly regurgitate the concerns of the white evangel evangelical church? Like, who are you following? So for me, this issue is not only for people who may be, you know, and God help us all, because to a certain degree, none of us can escape this, right? Overly influenced by things on, on a, a more lax level. But also we find people, quote unquote, on the conservative side of the religious community, regurgitating the same concerns of the white evangelical church. So who are you following? So when we are able to think about religious language, and invest our ideas in foundational sacred texts and then sprout those ideas we are as imam ibn ajiba talked about experiencing al-hurriya freedom you know he wrote about freedom he said it's one of the greatest maqams but what he meant is the freedom to be the servant of god instead of the servant of conglomerates you know what i mean it's kind of deep and now we want to move on to this idea of, well, when this happens, of course, we're going to be making mistakes. And I think this is something very important within the Western Muslim community that we need to give each other a little leeway, man. And just slamming on each other and bashing each other really is problematic. Of course, if there's physical, sexual, monetary abuse happening, cults, look, that's a different issue. But we're talking about now people engaged in politics, people engaged in entertainment, people engaged in teaching, religion, right across the spectrum. And what we see is like Muslims, again, step by step, following others into kind of this cathartic reaction to people, instead of thinking about like, how do we act differently? And acting differently doesn't mean how do we quell dissent? It means how do we make sure that we do this in a way that's ultimately impactful and brings about a sense of justice in the right context within of course a religious setting so what i wanted to like just do is read a hadith from the muatta of imam malik you know the muatta is uh man that's the text and the word muatta from wata means to make something smooth right to smooth something out you know the hadith of the prophet said uh, when he talks about the people, أَقْرَبَكُمْ أَحَبَّكُمْ إِلَيَّ وَأَقْرَبَكُمْ مِنِّي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَجَارِسَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ What's wrong with my memory? The Prophet says, you know, those who are close to me and most beloved to me in the hereafter 
are those people ahasinukum akhlaq are those people that have good akhlaq al muwatta'una from the same word as muwatta al muwatta'una aknafa right those people who they're soft and smooth with the others they're not abrasive right so the muwatta is a smooth comfortable path that's going to lead us to an understanding of islam as it was understood and practiced by the people of medina there's a lot that can be said about the muwatta but hey it's not the time and place for that but mashallah just to give you kind of an understanding that the muwatta is meant to make things smooth alhamdulillah and make our ascent through religious literacy as it was understood and captured by the people of Medina, easy. And there's a great translation. I don't know when it's going to come out, but Muhammad Abu Fadl, Dr. Muhammad Abu Fadl, who's a genius, you should be following him on Facebook, man. Man, this dude, he got like 20 brains, mashallah. Um, and that brother can write, man. His pen, woo, his pen is tough. And here at NYU, we have a professor in Islamic studies, Miriam Gantz, who like has also been contributing to this work, this translation of the Muwatta with the narration of Sidi Yahya Rahimullah. But what I thought what we would do is just kind of read through this first hadith, the first hadith in the Muatta, and then just talk about certain things that we should think about as principles as we move through 2020. And we see the communities under siege, the Muslim community, and we see Muslims in different areas trying to do good work, trying to do the process which Sidi Zaruq mentioned and people may make mistakes. And we are either going to try to help each other through these mistakes and love and care for each other through these mistakes, or we're going to adopt the kind of dominant, cathartic, abrasive reactions to everything out there. And that's a problem. And as we said earlier, a true engagement with religious literacy should free us from simply being caught up in the status quo. So the first hadith is very interesting. When you open the Muatta, you find that the first chapter is on the, 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 the times of prayer. And that's very different than perhaps any other text you've seen because usually it starts with like uh, intention, it starts with wudu, if it's a book of fiqh, the, the virtues of knowledge or whatever. But Sidi Imam Malik rahimahullahu ta'ala as I heard from my teacher, you know, subhanAllah, man, I sat in the lectures of Sheikh Ahmed Taha Rayyan for like five years just on the Muatta, man. It was like the greatest days of my life, subhanAllah. So the first chapter, Wuqut al-Salah. There's different uh, versions of the text out there. Awqat al-Salah. I don't want to make this too complicated, but let's just go with this one, Wuqut al-Salah, which means the times of prayer. So maybe somebody asks, like, why did Imam Malik start with uh, the times of prayer and immediately we learn something the importance of priorities the importance of priorities it's called al-awlawiyat we have what's called fiqh al-awlawiyat right the jurisprudence of priorities and listen to what imam baji says wa inna ibtada'a maliku maliku rahimahullah ta'ala bi dhikri awqati salati fi kitabihi bi'annahu awwalu ma yura'i min amri as-salati وَلِأَنَّهُ حِينَئِذٍ يَجِبُ فِعْلَ الطَّهَارَةِ بِحَسَبِ وُجُوبِ الصَّلَاةِ فَكَانَ الْإِبْتِدَاءُ بِذِكْرِ أَوْقَاتِ الصَّلَاةِ 
awla fi rutba ya allah so imam al baji who explained the muwatta actually twice and this is the smaller explanation al muntaqa which is around i think 13 volumes so who knows i think the bigger uh, explanation was lost. He says that Imam Malik began the muwatta with the times of prayer because the first thing that someone has to think about regarding prayer is the time for prayer. They have to know it's time. So for that reason, he, that knowledge of the time of prayer is what makes at that moment, if someone needs it, purity and an obligation. So the time comes before tahara. So therefore, Sayyidina Imamana Malik rahimahullah فَكَانَ اِبْتِدَاءُ بِذِكْرِ أَوْقَاتِ صَلَةِ أَوْلَى فِي الرُّطْبَةِ So therefore, mentioning the times of prayer takes precedence. And we learn something very quickly that when we're going to engage 2020, we have to think about what's muhim and what's aham, what's important and what's really important. And Ahmad Zarouq, Sheikh Ahmad Zarouq, who we talked about last time, he says, That the ability to, to prioritize what's really important over what's kind of important is the way of the righteous in all their affairs. And one of the best ways to do that is to think about our own mortality that we're going to die. May Allah give us long lives full of goodness. And then to think about your circle of influence and your circle of concern. My circle of concern is endless. My circle of influence is what I can actually impact. And that's what should take utmost priority. Subhanallah. So Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala, that's why he began with this chapter on uqut as-salah, the times of prayer, mashallah. And then he says, وَعَنْهُ قَالْ And I'm going to narrate this to you. You know, subhanAllah, I traveled to Morocco just to read this to a shaykh, Shaykh Abdurrahman Katani, because that's that's how important this text is. He says, وَعَنْهُ قَالْ عَنْ مَالِكِ بْنِ آنَسْ عَنْ إِبْنِ الشِّهَابِ عَنْ عُمْرَ أَبْنِ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ أَخَّرَ الصَّلَاةَ يَوْمًا So from Malik, Ibn Anas, from Yahya to Malik to uh, Ibn Shihab. Ibn Shihab is a Zuhri. We talked about him last time. And that one day Omar bin Abdul Aziz delayed the prayer. Omar bin Abdul Aziz at that time was the governor of Medina. All right? So he's the governor of Medina and he's handling his business. He's handling activism. He's engaged in the needs of people. And he delayed the prayers. فَدَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ عُرْوَةُ بْنُ زُبَيْرِ فَأَخْبَرَهُ أَنَّ الْمَغِيرَةَ بْنُ شُعْبَةَ أَخْرَ الصَّلَةِ يَوْمًا So Urwa ibn Zubair, and Urwa, of course, is the son of Asma. And you know what's interesting about Urwa uh, ibn Zubair? He is considered the greatest student of Aisha. I talked about that in uh, Mothers of Believers, right? He, as her nephew, becomes kind of the vessel that carries the knowledge of Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha. So he comes into the situation and he notices that Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, who's known as the fifth Khalifa, had delayed Salah. So then he informed him that Al-Mughira ibn Shu'bah, who's one of the great Sahaba, that one day 
Mughira ibn Shu'ba, he delayed the prayers wa huwa bil-Kufa. He used to be also in charge of, uh, of al-Kufa. فَدَّخَلَ عَلَيْهِ أَبُوْ مَسْعُودٍ الْأَنصَارِي And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is not the same one as the Sahaba that you know. It's a different one. Al-Ansari, he noticed it. So now we see Umar ibn Abdulaziz making the same mistake as Al-Mughira. Okay? And here we see the importance of having interlocutors. So what do we take from the hadith so far? SubhanAllah, moving into 2020 so that we don't get trumped by the madness is number one, priorities. And number two, it's always important to have interlocutors around you. People who can tender advice to us. Umar ibn al-Khattab used to say, لا يفلح قوم لا يحبون الناصحين People who don't love people that advise him, they'll never be successful. They'll never be successful. So he mentions that Sayyidina Umar ibn, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he delayed prayer one day and that uh, Urwa ibn Zubair, he came and noticed that. And then Urwa ibn Zubair, he said, listen, one day Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba akhra salat yawman wa hu bil-kufa fadakhala alayhi Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari. And then Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari, he said to him, فَقَالَ مَا هَذَا يَا مُغِيرَةَ أَلَيْسَ قَدْ عَلِمْتَ And so then Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari, he advises al-Mughira. And he says, don't you, قَدْ عَلِمْتَ أَنَّ جِبْرِيلَ النَّزْلَ فَصَلَّ فَصَلَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَمَا ثُمَّ صَلَّ فَصَلَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَا ثُمَّ صَلَّ فَصَلَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَا ثُمَّ فَصَلَّ فَصَلَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَا ثُمَّ صَلَّ فَصَلَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَا ثُمَّ قَالَ بِهَذَا أُمِرْتْ So like five times. He said that, don't you know, Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari, he said to Al-Mughira, don't you, aren't you aware that Jibreel, he came to the Prophet and he led him in prayers five times, right? At different times, he led him in prayers. And then he said, Bihada umirt. And there's two narrations of this. Bihada umirtu means I, Jibreel, was ordered to do this. And there's another narration that says, well, Bihada umirta. This is what you have been commanded to do. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Faqala Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. He said to Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, responded to Mughira. He said, I'lam, you should know ma tu hadithu bihi ya Urwah. He said to him, you know, listen, you need to pay attention to what you narrate. Was it Jibreel who taught the Prophet the times of prayer? And Urwah, he says, Then he mentions, I heard this from Bashir, the son of Abu al-Mas'ud al-Ansari, radiallahu anhu. This hadith, you know, and the, it just seems like, okay, it's a lot happening, but like, where are you trying to get at this? So watch, watch how this gets like really beautiful, man. And we have to appreciate that our tradition uh, is an inspirational mechanism that guides our ability to interpret and understand our situations. It doesn't necessarily have the complete answer, but it certainly is important in guiding and ruddering uh, our ideas. So the first is, 
you'll find this discussion amongst the scholars. And that is, Akhara Umar ibn Abdul Aziz salata yawman. Like Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he delayed salah, man. So what does that mean? Because it's not really clear. The narration is mujmal, mujmala. So when you start to read all the different explanations, you find something really, really beautiful. And that is that they say, there's no way he delayed salah beyond its time. And in fact, Al-Baji says, there's no way he delayed salah beyond its commendable time. Why? Because we should have a good assumption of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. SubhanAllah, that's gone nowadays, man. People don't have good assumptions of each other. One of the goals of consumer capitalism is to cause us to lose hope in each other so that we buy our support and we purchase our support and we look for support. Like, man, can you imagine when we die if we say, man, I spent the weekend bent watching a video or a movie on Netflix instead of like, I spent the weekend helping old people. I spent the weekend teaching kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're going to be like, yo, this one weekend, right? And don't get me wrong, like, I'm going to watch my shows every now and then. But, like, I spent, like, hours and hours and hours and hours watching shows. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me, like, good talent. So, like... We start to now look for human validation from non-human things, man. That's weird. So it's really profound that the scholars, when they would discuss Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, call out culture, they didn't go ham on it, man. Oh, see, man, it's Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, you know what I mean? Like, stuff Allah. I knew he was like this. I knew he was. It's like what people enjoy seeing people fall, man, in, in the postmodern world. But the principles of faith, we don't enjoy seeing people fall. That was a quality of the hypocrites after Uhud. We enjoy seeing people achieve, man. That's why the Prophet said, You know, to make a fellow Muslim or a human being happy uh, makes paradise an obligation for you. So, like, in all these discussions, it says, You know, he delayed the prayer. So they talk about Umar ibn Abdulaziz. And they talk about Al-Mughira. And they say, there's no way we believe that any of these people would have missed prayer because we are commanded to have a good assumption of people, especially good people. That's why in the science of hadith, man, it's amazing. When you look at it and you see Lisano um, Mizan of Al-Dhahabi, and he talks about, and Sheikh Ahmed Shakir, oh, mashallah, rahimahullah, when he talked about like the majhulu, the rawiyah, who is majhula, right? The narrator who's unknown. Even though the hadith is weak, the scholars would say that that was a person of good character because they didn't know the person. And there could be suspicion about the person. But but suspicion cannot overcome the truth. And because we believe as Muslims, that the foundation of people is original goodness and potential, not original sin. They would declare those people as being of good character, but unknown. Subhanallah, man, that's, that's amazing. You know, recently there was some guy, man, he attacked me 
online. I mean, we got we got people out here acting like Nick Cannon with Eminem, man. It's weird. And and all they do is like just attack each other. And he said, like, I fabricated a hadith or something. I didn't even know about this. I, and like Suhaib Webb uses a fabricated hadith to go viral. I didn't even know it went viral. I'm not on Facebook. My friend, a fellow imam, he called me and he told me, hey, man, the hadith that you used is really, really weak and fabricated. I said, thank you. And I pulled it like I didn't know. I'm not I'm not a perfect person. I don't I'm not a muhadith, man. And 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 even Taymiyyah mentions that people he's talking about great scholars. I'm just nobody. But. You know, people are going to make mistakes, but this person just like went into character assassination mode. And I was like, man, I don't even know this person. But like, subhanAllah, where is the etiquette of like engaging people? It's okay to public if he would have said like, you know, Suhaib Webb made this mistake here, 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 here. That's perfectly acceptable. But to like accuse me of fabricating hadith and to turn it into like some kind of understanding of my internal self would never without ever even speaking to me man that's inappropriate and then i looked at the individual's page and i was like man you know i'm sure he's sincere in what he's doing but it's like everything that he's doing is attacking yasir qadi omar suleiman who i don't know who else and i was like wow man so it seems like we have a lot of people and i'm not trying to make fun of the brother but like we have the nick cannon problem where he just keeps making diss records about eminem and eminem is like not responding like nick cannon you just need to chill bro Go back to doing those Disney flicks or something. But look here how the scholars who may not even, you know, been big fans of Omar ibn Abdulaziz or Al-Mughira for whatever reasons, right, that are probably like Ishtihadi, of course, because, you know, generally they're going to be fans of them. They, they gave them the benefit of that doubt. So going into 2020, as we see Muslims inadvertently perhaps and even perhaps just out of not knowing and make mistakes you know like we should be more caring and deliberate in approaching people and perhaps trying to feel them before putting them as is now the dominant culture narrative on blast because there's a hadith of the prophet i heard from my father-in-law that you know when we leave what we've been commanded to do allah will turn us against each other and our hearts, our hearts will fight each other. Allah Akbar, may Allah protect us. So that's the, that's the other lesson we take from this hadith. Number one is priorities. Number two is, as we said before, having interlocutors, right? We need people around us to help us make isnad of things, to advise us that we root what we root properly. But then to do so with like husnul dhan, man, you know, to do so in a way that's like not, not, not um, petty, but is like faithful and honest. And and that's why Al-Baji, he says something really, really beautiful. He says, Urwata, the statement of Urwa uh, about Mughira ibn Sha'bah and, and all this delaying of the Salah and what Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari said uh, to uh, Al-Mughira. He said, you know, al-inkar, that when we want to correct people or rebuke people, it should be, you know, especially with people who, again, you know, we assume about faithful people, the Muslim community, that they're good people. So especially with people who the assumption is good and that they are those who are willing to submit and turn to the truth. He said, you know, then that should be done with kindness. That should be done with love. That should be done in a way that's beautiful because 
that is going to bring them to the truth and that's closer to the truth and then of course he gave the example of the quran and recently i saw someone making fun of this verse of quran like mocking people saying like we need to be careful man like you know conservative values are not an excuse to mock people right and 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 liberal values if that's what people adhere to you know those aren't excuses to mock people who are more religiously adherent like we need to be careful of that don't make the dean a joke man and i saw someone saying like yeah this is a verse that people love to use like mocking it but this is a verse in the quran like this is a verse this is allah's words you know, one time uh, Imam Ahmed al-Hanbal was sitting with somebody and a man named Yusuf came into the room and the man, he joked and used the verse of the Quran, Yusuf, a'rid an hadha, right? He used the verse from Surah to Yusuf and then everybody laughed and Imam Ahmed said to the man, take shahada again. Like, enter Islam again. Like, don't make fun of the Quran. The Quran should never, never be used in this way. Regardless of what we're trying to accomplish, we should hold the words of Allah. We should hold them as sacred. So he says something really beautiful. He said that Allah says in the Quran to you know, quoting Sayyidina Musa and Harun to Fir'aun, right? Speak to him in a way that's going to be soft and touch his heart. He said, if that's how they were commanded to speak to Fir'aun uh, Fir'aun, then what about like the Muslimin? The Muslimin. So we took a lot from this hadith so far as we're gonna finish up now. Number one is you know, we talked about priorities in the Tabweeb of Sidi Madik in his chapter headings. Number two, we talked about having interlocutors. Number three, we talked about how we go about helping people as they go through the process that we mentioned last time of, you know, planting an idea in the sacred sources and then growing that idea. People are going to make mistakes, especially a fledgling community which has an infinite number of enemies and which is under tremendous pressure, man. We need to appreciate the fact that like, we're all tra traumatized as Muslims. To be an American Muslim, to be a Muslim anywhere in the world is either to witness trauma like in Yemen, in, 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 in East Turk Turkestan, in Myanmar, wherever you are, you're seeing these things, you're hearing these things and it's traumatizing for us as a community in India now. And, and, and we're going to struggle to do things right at times. We're under duress and we need to love and be patient with one another and realize that life is a process and that people are becoming people aren't are. You know what I mean? Like we're all in a state of constant change and growth. And we need to be there to support and love one another as we grow through that process and correct each other. But that takes us to the fourth point. When we correct each other, we should have good assumptions. Husnul Dhan. And then we talked about this verse where Allah orders Moses and Harun, even though they're speaking to power, to speak to power in a way that's wise and affects power. And the last point, which is remarkable, is that when Omar ibn Abdul Aziz rebuked, not rebuked, right, but he questioned Urwa um, ibn uh, Zubair, Awa inna Jibreel huwa ladhi aqama you know, are you are you saying that Jibreel is the one that taught the Prophet this? Al-Baji al-Maliki makes a very, very beautiful point. And there's two points I'm gonna make as we finish. And that is, inshallah, and that is that Urwa quotes hadith. And he quotes 
something that was witnessed, right? In the sense of, he not only quotes a hadith, he quotes an action of the Sahaba. And that is to show Umar ibn Abdul Aziz that this is not an area of ijtihad. Like this is not an area that's open for interpretation. Because we know that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was a mujtahid. Right? He's someone that can independently extract guidance. He can do what Sidi Ahmed Zuruq talked about, rooting and growing on his own. But we have a very important axiom, La ishtihada bi wujudin nas. Right? There's no independent um, exertion of a scholar to come to a conclusion about an act legally, like is it fard, is it sunnah, if there's already a text there. If there's already a nas, which means an immutable, definitive text. So we see something there, man, in activism and engaging in 2020 and in religious work that we are not allowed to have ijtihad in the face of clear, explicit, sacred texts. And that goes back to that process that we talked about in the last episode, isnaru shayli asli, right? Making sure that the asl, if the asl is a definitive text, as we say in the Masri mafish kalam, then that's it. Intahal amr, it's over with. There's no kalam, there's no talk. But if the asl is something which allows ishtihad, that's a whole different discussion that we're going to talk about next time, inshaAllah ta'ala, because the number of texts in the Quran and Sunnah which do not permit ijtihad or about, um, you know, 10 to 15 percent I heard from different teachers, Sheikh Muhammad al-Hassan, and I heard from other, uh, other legal scholars. Um, so that means the majority of the texts are going to be now eligible for ijtihad according to, you know, qualified academics and scholars and so on and so forth. And we'll talk about that also in the future. Um, but Urwa ibn Zubair, he quotes Anas to clarify to Umar ibn Abdulaziz, Mafish Kalam. There's no talk, man. You just got to do it. You got to pray. The last lesson that we take, and I mentioned this in the beginning, is that activism in our professional lives, parenting, whatever we do, is never an excuse to neglect the rights of Allah. So Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he's out there handling the business of the community, Shu'un al-Ummah, right? He's handling the affairs of the Ummah, and, and, and in that situation, he either forgot or became so occupied that he didn't pray in the waqt al-ikhtiyari, in the commendable time. But Urwa ibn Zubair did not accept that as an excuse, nor did Abu Masood al-Ansari. They did not accept that as an excuse. So as we go into 2020, there will be many times where we're caught up, we're busy, we're trying to handle things, and maybe we're being told by our conscience or whatever, like, it's okay, man, you're working for this, you're working for these people, you're working for this. We still have to establish the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So mashallah, what do we take from this hadith found in the Muatta, the first hadith in the Muatta, mashallah, as it relates to last, the last episode? is number one, priorities. Number two, interlocutors. Number three, the way that we engage people when we see them making mistakes, especially this traumatized, beautiful, incredibly loving Muslim community that's in front of us. Number three, to be kind and deliberately invested in people's healing and our advice. And then 
We talked about the use of text to close down the notions of individual ideas, ishtihad, and then finally that are activities, whether involved in social circles, cultural circles, even in religious circles, right? I remember in Ezhar, there was a brother that told me he couldn't pray because he had to study for the Ezhar exams. I'm like, well, man, why are you studying for the religious exams if you ain't praying, bro? Like, that doesn't make sense, right? We learn religion to be better in our salah. So our, our being occupied with the affairs of people is not an alibi to excuse us from being occupied with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next time, we're going to talk about issues related to ishtihad, what is ishtihad, and then move into to what's called tajdeed, revival and reform, and then talk about other things that perhaps are going to come up during 2020. Barakallahu feekum, wa jazakam Allahu khairan, wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.